stop. Don't interrupt my flow here. Hi. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Love, Sex, ATX, a podcast that explores life, love, and the pursuit of sex in Austin, Texas. I'm Beauregard. And I'm Kennington. Each week, are going to be your hosts, diving into a different topic about love, relationships, and sex set in one of the most unique and special cities in the world. We do have an announcement to make. Yes, we do have an announcement. This is our 10th episode, which is is super exciting. This was what we set out to do a little over a year ago. We met at TAMFT, the professional conference. But um, I have a baby on the way and we'll be here in mid-June. So I'm stepping away from the podcast. And um, it's already pretty much been in your capable hands, if we're being honest, Rhiannon. (laughs) And it's going to remain there. So um, I will be stepping away and um, hopefully maybe coming back every once in a while to make a guest appearance. That'd be great. But this is your baby. Well, so like this is our last, it's our last episode recording together. So um, officially as a threesome. As a, as a triad. Yes. Um, I like threesome better. But um, uh, yeah, I know. This is going to cut loose on this last episode. (laughs) It's going to be dangerous. Might as well. Well, and we decided that we would, you know, our first episode of season one. So this is the end of season one. So, you know, get ready for major cliffhangers and some sort of like Negan character beating everyone up with a bat. You know, like that's how I, I envision. watching that show. <laughs> that's how I envision the last uh, part, the, like this what is last that, the episode. Dead? Yeah, like where. Oh, okay. So just like a really big cliffhanger mm-hmm. and, and. Twists and turns, um, but we decided that, or I decided this morning, super early, okay. that um, you know our first episode was about first times, first mm. kisses, first loves, um, and I'd like our 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 tenth episode, our last episode of season one, to be about happy endings. Yes. So, <laughs> caller? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but can you can you describe? I mean, do you mean happy endings in terms of walking into a massage parlor and getting a happy ending? Or do you mean happy ending in terms of something else? Well, I mean, our podcast is love.sex.atx, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like happy endings has um, an applicable application. It does have an <laughs> applicable application. I an like applicable that. application to all three of those. Mm-hmm. So like if we were to take a happy ending in the world of sex, I mean, what do we traditionally think that is? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a, a massage parlor hand job. Right, Sam? Am I wrong on this? Back me that's, up. That's what I have. <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind. Notes, that's what my notes say. <laughs> 150 bucks, maybe, yeah. in the Austin area, I've heard. <laughs> Is it? I think it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> Make sure you throw it Actually, in. Actually, no, the one I've heard about was maybe a deluxe happy ending. Yeah, because I feel like... I feel like a sex yep. worker that does basically we're talking about like a rub and tug or like a hand job. Not right, I'm like, talking about full coitus. Oh, okay. Coitus. 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 <laughs> yeah, there we go. There it is again. There full is. circle. Everything. Right. Full yeah. circle. Coitling. Yeah. Well, the $150 sounds like a bargain then. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done it. I promise. <laughs> well, it's not, it's but not I, a problem. I know people who have. So, um, well, and, and I think what's interesting is that, um, most sex acts end when the male climaxes. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, this is a you know, and this at is, least that's the like that's the way it. Sh- I mean, we kind of organize it around that, right? Well, that's our perception, right? Like, when does sex end? Sex ends when the guy comes, mm-hmm. and you know, and that, and and like happy endings. So like the idea of just like the Urban Dictionary term of happy ending is you go to a place where someone sort of masturbates you until yeah. you ejaculate, and that's considered a happy ending. Um, but the challenge is, is that like. I don't feel like women often get like an opportunity to say like when they're done having sex. Yeah. So like men sort of have like this, like at least culturally men have this like implied we're finished. Yeah. It's over, you know? Um, but. And in some states, like it's like the implication is, isn't, it's not even an implication. It's, it's like, this is it. We're done. What else is there? Right. And like happy endings with like, let's say we end in like ejaculation. Like, is it happy? Are we feeling happiness? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> or like, is it something else? Is it like, you know, and I guess, I guess. Kind of sad, really. Really? Is it like sad, <laughs> yeah, sad clown? I, I think actually that's probably true. I mean, really, when you think about it. I think it's more of a humorous term, you know, a happy ending. It's like, <laughs> wink, wink. Because you can, you get your rocks off and then. Well, it's just a, it's a code really, you know, it's like, I'm going to have a massage of the happy ending. It's not like. Going to go get whacked off at a massage. It's a sort of PC code from back in the day. Mm-hmm. So what's always interesting is when I, you know, my roommate used to. Um, she just left. She just left Austin, which was very sad. Um, and uh, and so you know, there's a. I can't say there's a happy ending to her time in Austin because she leaves. She left, but um, but she worked at the W and um, had a lot of massage therapist friends that would come over and go to parties and like stuff legit, like that. Like legit, legit massage therapists. Well, yeah. So, so, and that's kind of the difference between like a massage therapist, uh, like a sex worker and like a body worker and like a masseuse. I think even that term can be like generalized, but a massage therapist is someone who's like licensed by the state of Texas as a massage therapist. Right. So these are generally people nine times out of 10 are not going to be giving happy endings. But um, so, but when I was talking to them about this, because they know what, what we all do and what we talk about, you know, they work at the W. And so this is like kind of a high end spa, you know, and they say that people still come in and have like an expectation and like make references just to sort of test the waters. It really annoys them. And and I understand that because we've talked about how like, you know, um, potential clients or non-potential clients will call and like objectify me as a sex therapist by, you know, masturbating on the phone and breathing heavy and things like that. But I, I think it's just interesting that that sometimes, like, people don't really know what people do. Like, would we ever, would we ever, like, go to a physician and, like, expect, like, a full body cavity search or anything? Like, why do we eroticize, like, massage therapists? Why, like, why is there, like, this this assumption that if you go to, like, a massage therapy place in, like, Chinatown that, mm, mm-hmm. you know, like. Mm. Well, I think there's a bit of. I think there's a bit of like um, racial or ethnic, specifically with um, Asian women, there's like power dynamics, racial or ethnic eroticism. I, I kind of feel like it's like an Asian massage parlor or something that a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, that's where it happens. Or Russian. <laughs> but see, the thing with that, like <clears throat> there's such a, not that I've ever done that, but it's just such a high degree of, of uh, human trafficking in that. And I don't even want it, to, it's like, can't even go there, but. Why do we eroticize like well I mean it's 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 
It is skin to skin contact. You are probably not wearing clothes and they're long strokes and it's a stranger. I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> and I, I mean, honestly, this is a professional too, like, right? Like, you know, yeah. um, so so you bring up a good point. Um, generally, when I talk about sex work, I'm not talking about trafficked sex work, although there's a fine line and oftentimes sex workers that I've worked with, because I have this small niche clientele of sex workers that I am their therapist. Um, I don't work with trafficked individuals as their therapist. I work with people who are consensually working in the field of sex. Um, it's kind of like, I liken it to like your weed dealer, you know, like it's like on the fringe of society, but still a valuable service. Oh, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> so, so, but, but they need therapists too. Like weed dealers need therapists. And so yeah. like, just because something is actually, a, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah. That's built in. Uh, I mean, like what if they want to make changes in their life and they can't get off the couch? <laughs> <laughs> They're not really concerned about it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably you true. You know, but like, what if they want a relationship? Yeah. <laughs> like a real relationship. Chicks coming over all the time to buy weed. That's <laughs> yeah, true. All right, and then we get into sex work where it's sort of trafficked, right? Like because if there's chicks coming over all the time doing sex acts for weed, is that trafficking? Uh, I don't think so. Well, okay. So back to my original point before we got off on the fact that weed dealers don't need therapists because they have their <laughs> own, which we all know, like everybody needs a therapist. And, you know, Mathis and I are both therapists, a little plug for our businesses. That's but, true. We are. Um, so when it comes to sex workers, they're just working in a, they have regular problems. They have like an annoying coworker, like they're not, like they, they want raises. Like it's like the same thing. It's just on the fringe of society and they're not really given the support that they need. Mm. But um, the way that I view people going to sex workers um, really comes back to like, the World Health Organization's yeah. six premises of healthy sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, and so the first two premises of this is like a general framework that Mathis and I are trained in. And, and just in general, I think we both kind of approach human sexuality in this way. So you need like six basic premises for it to be considered healthy sexuality. And then if you meet those requirements, like you're good. Like, And so the first two are it needs to be non-exploitative and consensual. And the idea here is that if you have a sex worker that is being exploited in any capacity, whether it's because of their race or religion or nationality or their immigrant status or um, their economic status. And this is what I'm talking about when we're talking about like Asian massage parlors. Like, you know, can, do we think that those, there's a high rate, high risk of those being exploitative? Yes. I mean, yeah, like that would be my assumption too. Now, are all of them? No. Like, is every Asian sex worker out there like being exploited? No. But I think that in this country and in many countries, we could possibly make a generalization that they might be. Um, and then if someone is being exploited or trafficked, um, can it be consensual? And like the answer is no, it's like inherently not consensual. You know, even if they seem like they're consenting to you, if they're being exploited or trafficked, they are like, it's implied non-consent. So, because I have several clients that go to sex workers and, and there's a lot of shame and a lot of secrecy around this practice. And now why I, as a sex therapist, don't ever encourage my clients to do anything illegal. A lot of people do illegal things and, you know, people speed, people smoke weed, you know, people do speed. <laughs> like, <laughs> people speed and, and do speed. And, and do speed weed. while they're on Both speed. Yeah. While they're on <laughs> speeding or on speed. I feel like this is the Dr. Seuss of drugs. <laughs> 
Don't but, speed when you're on weed or when you're on speed. It's true. Mm-hmm. But like, do people speed when they're on weed? I don't think so. Yeah, it's like. No, you don't even pull out into traffic. It's like, yeah, not yet. <laughs> Everyone's watching me. <laughs> so, um, so that comes back like to the happy ending part of it, which is you know we we pathologize sex work in in our culture because it's illegal. But um, well, do we pathologize it because it's illegal, or do we pathologize it because we have kind of a um, ingrained moral problem with it. I mean, this is the way I've thought about it. Like, um, almost every sacred text that we hold dear has examples of sex work and, and even celebrated sex work. I mean, for God's sake, the wisest man in the Bible is Solomon. I mean, that's clear. He had a harem. That's trafficking, (laughs) right? And he was considered, his harem was, he had uh, hundreds and hundreds of women. And God called him the wisest man who ever lived. And so it's like, this is the thing, like when very dogmatic people, um, you know, pathologize sex work and other aspects of sexuality and then neglect the paradox that exists in, you know, in their own sacred texts, it feels quite um, ignorant and hypocritical to me. So, I mean, I, I agree, like I don't, participate in sex work, but that's because I'm married and, you know, et cetera. But I, I wish we would be a little more um, receptive to the conversation. You're listening to Love Sex ATX. So it's coming back to, coming back to happy endings and sex work. And being oh being um, in the sex industry, I kind of consider sex workers as colleagues of mine. Like, really, I'm the academic and kind of governmental sanctioned version of the sex industry, um, and there is still a lot of stigma. And so, like, and I'm telling you, even in my job, there's a lot of stigma. And so, something I've come across lately, which I never thought ever in my entire life this would ever be a factor. I just it boggles my mind to this day. Yeah, but um. Uh, so I'm dating, I'm single, I'm sort of reluctantly dating, I kind of hate dating and would, you know, don't really mind being single, but would like to share my empire with a partner instead yeah. of, you know, coming home and watching the latest Netflix original series on teenagers um, <laughs> each night. <laughs> uh, but um, not infrequently do I get the feedback from potential dates slash partners that my job is a barrier that like, because I'm a partners. Well, potential, like there are no partners. (laughs) There's no part. No one is partnering. These are just people (laughs) that happen to like take me someplace and we happen to be in the same space. And then they tell me here are the reasons why. Well, it's, it's something about being a sex therapist that, um, and it's crazy to me. Like it's absolutely, I still like, I'm shocked by it. Why Guys, because mostly I'm dating guys. I'm not opposed to dating women. I would be happy to date women. I just like don't roll in the dating women circles. And like this is like a whole other thing. But I've always felt that like because I like all genders, I never really fit into like I'm not lesbian-y enough. Like I'm not like I can't go to a lesbian bar and pretend like I don't do dudes. Like, yeah. like it's obvious I do dudes, but I do chicks too. I do everybody. 
Um, if if I, they'd let me, I guess. But. <laughs> <laughs> you can do everybody if they'd let you. <laughs> After hours, Buds so becomes a very special place. You. They're just not letting is, me. We've gotten rude, I think. <laughs> no one's letting me do them. <laughs> we come back to our conversations on consent to everyone. Like, you do have to... I have to ask permission. I, I've learned this the hard way many times. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, of course. But um, but yeah, it's like something about like as a sex therapist, like really cool to be your friend. So cool to be my friend. Mm-hmm. I'm the coolest friend ever. I can talk about sex. I do all these activities. Really cool to be my friend. Really cool to like take me on a date and tell your friends you're taking a sex therapist on the date. That's what I think like because mm-hmm. a lot of this happens. But then the second it's like, oh, this shit is real. Like, oh, she talks about this all day long. Oh, she knows a lot about it. Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm out. You feel and, like it's an intimidation thing? Well, I am so sick of that word. I am so sick of the word intimidation. I just like don't understand this. Like, well, I don't either. But I'm just trying to get to what your what what it is that the, that it, what is it? I, I mean, was a tall child. I've been intimidating since I was like seven. Like everybody's been telling me I'm like an intimidating. Like I was a tall kid. I have like a, a you know I'm very outspoken. And then I also feel like in, in some ways, this is what really gets a bee in my bonnet is that like, oh, God forbid a woman carries herself with some sort of presence and has an opinion. Mm. Oh, she's intimidating to the world. Like, fuck off. Like, mm. I'm sorry, but like the amount of times that like my mouth has gotten me called a bitch is like, you know, or just even thought like, you know, like just even in the work environment, mm-hmm. just women can't be assertive and self-confident without being intimidating or a bitch. Mm. Like. Like, we just aren't given that permission. And I'm like, I reject that. Or being lesbian, right? Like, because I must be a man hater because I, like, don't take bullshit. So it's like, I just, it's exhausting. And this is why. So I have a date tonight. I I don't really want to go. Um, you just hope- don't have high. Do you, have you met this guy before? Yes. I went on a speed dating event. Did, did, did you feel attracted to him? Um, I wasn't, like, physically attracted to him. Um but we had a good, so, so like, <laughs> my married friends are uncomfortable that I'm single. Married people don't like single people. It's like. Because we've had this conversation. No, that married is just people not get, true. They get like, where do you belong? Where should you go? Oh my like, God. You're wandering the streets alone at Have night. You need someone. You? Sam, is this, is this. Can I'm you, newly married, so I don't really count as a married person. Did you not newly married? It's only been like a year. Yeah, but you've got a kid. I mean, you're. Yeah, I mean. How long have y'all been anyone together? Anyone can make a kid. Anyone I, can make a kid. I did single for like the longest time and. I can understand what you're saying, where it's like your friends who are all settled down. It's almost like they, um, uh, well, the the analogy of like a bunch of crawfish in a bucket, and one's like climbing out to get free, and the other is like pull it down. Uh-huh. Sometimes I would feel like you know, married people were like, "Come on, join the ranks of this life," and like because <laughs> you're just like, I do whatever I want, like all the time, you know. So. And it's like, because you're single and they're single, somehow your single friend should be. And that's like the worst think, idea ever. I think like, oh, they're just I like, oh, you should meet so-and-so. And you're like, I w- well, why? Just because that's your other single friend? Yes, exactly. Okay, so I feel like the majority of married people are rather conventional in the sense that they don't, they mingle with other married people. They don't have friends outside of their couple friends. Like that's pretty yeah. conventional. But I also feel like there are, people like myself and Nikki who, I mean, my best friends are all single. And um, so there's a sense of awareness you create when you're not trying to put your, you know, lifestyle choices on somebody else, you know, but it's not a, I mean, don't put me in a monolith. Like, you know, I love you. I don't want you doing anything you don't want to do, you know, and I wouldn't try to put that on you. 
Well, and I guess too, like it probably doesn't help me like toting around my tail like Eeyore behind me, like, woe is me. I have to go on a <laughs> date tonight. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. already annoyed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I'm gonna have to ask certain things. Woe is me. But um so I went to a speed dating event because I don't, I don't date online. I work online. And mm. honest, like I just I don't like the ideas of my clients finding me online. And I just when online dating became popular because I'm 34. And so online dating's only been around for what, like 10 years yeah, or so. Between, like when yeah. it became popular, I was already in my mid 20s. And I just sort of felt like I'm not meeting. Mm-hmm. I, I think just, it's been longer than that, honestly. Match.com. Match.com. As far as like, like being popular, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, at this point now, online dating is the predominant way people date. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and you're so, right. so like, I just, it's just not my scene. So naturally I have to rely on like, you know, the grace of God to float me into places. And so one of my friends kept bugging me about do, trying speed dating. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, like, kill me now. So I asked some of my friends who are single and they were like, hell no, we're not doing that. <laughs> but I found like, I have like one ride or die friend who like, I'll say, do you want to do this? Yeah. It doesn't even matter what it is he's like yep i do whatever it is i'll do it and so he was like super psyched about speed dating um and his enthusiasm like as reluctant i was as i was his enthusiasm was sort of infectious so i was like okay we'll go have a good time so we go to this speed dating event and um it is like at like this dive of a bar on sixth street like why anyone would ever go to this shithole of a bar (laughs) on sixth street i don't even know like i like feel disgusted what was it called karma maybe it was on fifth Exactly. A bar you never, ever need to go into, nor like, need was to it go like, to. Was it like uh, ironic, like C-A-R-M-A, or was it like K? It's K. Okay. K. And All like right. they had some sort of like slogan, like it comes back around, but like <laughs> it was just an awful bar. Like I'll never, I'll, I would never. And people were walking into it. Like like people went there. I was like, no, no, this is a terrible bar. Was there a guy outside offering like shot and a beer for $3? Oh, definitely. It was on a chalkboard. It wasn't even a guy. <laughs> It was definitely like test tube shots. Like, oh, yes. And there was a beer pong table set up, which is just like, <laughs> like I get why that would be amusing if you're 23 years old and in college, but like gross, guys. This could be some of your listeners. Yes. All right. Karma is such a cool bar Let's to go Let's have a to. beer pong get together on 6th well, Street next we week. We know who our next sponsor is not going to be. <laughs> I, I enjoyed playing beer pong at that age and going to those kind of bars. You know. That where you could play beer pong? I mean, I didn't go to college, so I guess I never went to those kind of bars. <laughs> but I enjoy playing beer pong. Beer pong's a great game. Okay. <laughs> good, good, rem- good memories. <laughs> good memories. Uh, so, um, speed dating was like exactly who you think would be there would be there, just like awkward. Yeah. Like just whatever. But we had a good five minute conversation. He was funny. And so like, what do you do when you see, when you meet with someone that maybe you're not like super attracted to, but you have a good five minute conversation at speed dating, like you go on a first date, right? Like that's what I figure. Like the bare minimum here is like that you get to know the person. Um, So I said that we would go on a first date and, but I, but I'm like, not like not into it, you know, but I don't know. I mean, I might just, you're not into it because you're not physically attracted to him. Or because you just you just anticipate that the ending is coming before it's happened. Well, I think that might be it. It doesn't like, sound very happy. To when me. it comes to dating, like I feel like there isn't like a lot of good happy endings. Like mm. I feel like, and because I stopped like giving happy endings during dating because I don't really like I just I just don't want to have any more bad sex in my life. Like yeah. I mean, if I'm not gonna have excellent sex, I'm just not gonna have sex. Like 
once you've tasted like the fruit, <laughs> the ripest <laughs> fruit, you no longer accept like the low hanging berries, mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> I hate low hanging berries. You should just not go on this date if you already know you don't want to. Well, I feel like. What are like the chances I'm... that you guys are like, um, you know, super chemistry? You, wouldn't you know that? That man didn't even go to college. Yeah. School of life. <laughs> <laughs> the school of life. Um, yeah, but I also feel like I don't want to be judgmental of people and I want to give people like a chance. Mm-hmm. And I think like cutting it off at the knees is not really giving this person a chance. But there's like a little more to this story. I like don't want to take up too much time, but there's like a little bit more. Like I wouldn't have said I wasn't attracted to the guy. Like I, all right, I wasn't super physically attracted to him, but we had like a good conversation. It was funny. He was very funny. We had like a lot of laughs. So we started hanging out at the bar with a bunch of the people from the speed dating afterwards. And then we went over to Handlebar. And then he had to go, okay? Like, he's like, I got to catch a train back to God knows where and up north where I will never go. Oh, no, sorry. that's a red flag. Catch right a there. train. <laughs> catch a Why train. Why is he living the Cedar God, Park? God knows where. I don't even know, right? Like, where, so, where, we're in Austin. What train was he So, I, I don't know the metro rail that pe- one yeah. person takes, right? Well, anyways, so he leaves. We say goodbye. Like, we'll catch up. And and he's he's been, like, good. He's followed all the etiquette. Like, you know, like, say, making plans on Sunday, right? confirming on Wednesday, confirming my address today. I asked for his last name so I can tell someone that I'm going someplace with a stranger I don't know, right? This mm-hmm. is this is the world I have to live in, right? Yeah. Where you have, you have to, to tell... have like a, a contact for your safety kind of thing? Well, yeah, like what if I get stolen, you know? Like I'm basically right. getting into a car with someone I don't know, Yeah. right? You get stolen. And, and, and I'm already point. anticipating that there's not a happy ending, so it could end with me like, you know, murdered, Right? I mean, it's the uh, risk. That, that, that risk goes up when you don't give happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, well, I'm just my experience. saying like more like the fairy tale happy ending of like, you know, we meet. Like, that's just not my story. So you're right. I'm probably I'm just being a hater at this point. But by the time this airs, this will be coming on. Yeah, that's true. And I can just like move forward with it, whatever. Wait, so did you talk more at the bar after? Yeah, well, here's the story. So he leaves. And then we're at Handlebar. And Handlebar has that little game with the ring on the hook. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? There's like oh, a ring yeah, on the like string in the string, hook. Yeah. yeah. And so there's these group of guys trying to get the ring on the hook. And it looks like they've been doing it for a really fucking long time. Okay. Like they're, it looks, they look exasperated because they can't get this ring on the hook. And so I walk up to one of them who is way out of my fucking league. Okay. This guy was like gorgeous, like, <laughs> <laughs> like way out of my fucking league. And I said, how long have you guys been trying to get that ring on the hook? I've already had like a couple of like, you know, vodka sodas. So like feeling pretty lubed up um <laughs> and he told me like they had been doing it for like 45 minutes and they they wow. refused to like leave the bar no until one had they gotten did it. one no no one had gotten one that's red that's a red flag too for <laughs> like physical skills <laughs> <laughs> that game's not that that's hard. terrible hand-eye coordination yeah. Yeah. like okay something they probably can't even <laughs> walk that is bad bad news Guys, they're just is, hammered like, this is why dating is awful right because you start to judge people on their hand-eye coordination playing a bar game you're like oh that's it red flag they can't get the ring on the hook right i'm just saying i mean his his uh, likelihood of him finding a clitoris is not high all right well he was gorgeous okay and so throw in the ring um they're throwing in the ring on the hook and he says well why don't you try i said i don't want to try and he goes, why don't you try? I go, I'm not going to try. And he goes, try. Just try three times. So, like, I really, like, obnoxiously, like, just was, like, like, I did not. I just, like, made a face and, like, did not want to try, right? And he's like, no, no, no. Try for real. Try for real. I said, I'm going to try five times. That's all I'm trying. So, one, two, I get it really close. Three, four. 
And then I said on the fourth time, I said, this is the last time I am doing this. Mm -hmm. I do it and I hook it. No way. Hook it. Yeah. I hooked it. You hooked it. It was like, and this type of shit happens to me all the time. So all of his friends come out of the woodwork. They all buy me and my friend shot. Like it's a big fucking to do, right? Like. Who was your friend that was with you? My friend Drew. Oh, okay. And then we met a couple other people at the speed dating that came to this bar with us. Just like cool people that are lonely, just like us, I guess. And, um, and so. So this guy starts talking to me, and I think to myself, like, are, are you lost? Like, do you need to help finding someplace? Because, like, why would someone so gorgeous be talking to me? And he, like, seemed to take an interest in me, too. I was like, maybe I look like his sister. Like, there's just, like, no way that this really super hot guy would be talking to me right now. And he, like, takes an interest in me, okay? Mm-hmm. So he's, like, flirting with me, and I'm, like, fucking flattered. Like, all it takes, I guess, is a ring on a hook, right? Well... The speed dating guy has come back and is watching this whole thing from the bar, kind of like a creeper. And kind of, I, I, I didn't know that he was back. He, I guess his train hadn't left for another hour, or I don't fucking know. His UFO didn't drop down and beam him back up to take him to the North Pole or whatever the fuck it is, right? So, um, and like he confronted me on it and was kind of a dick about it. Are you, wait, the, the guy you're going on a date with tonight? Yes. Rhiannon. I know, but guys, first of all, I had been drinking, so I don't really know how accurate like the perception of this okay, is. Okay, where are you going to be tonight? <laughs> I guess, I don't know. Like, wait, do you what, know what, what did he say to you in regard to what you He was just like, are you, is it all good over there? Like you all good over there? And like, just was making like some comments about like, you know, you want to finish up? Like kind of just sort of dickish. Wow. Like he's jealous, but he only talked to you for five minutes? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, sounds kind of shitty. Yeah, but like, I don't know if that's an accurate perception, and I don't think it's fair to like judge a person on that. Like, first impressions are really important, but they're not the only impression. So I think you have to give someone a chance. Yeah. But like, yeah, what's the but likelihood of me having a not, happy uh, ending tonight? Like, meaning like how, and not like come, because I'm not, get, my hands will be on no dicks tonight. Um, I promise you that. Plural. (laughs) Plural. (laughs) My hands will be on no dicks tonight. But, um, but yeah, like what's the likelihood of it working out? Well, I, I don't know, but I'll tell you, I mean, who can know the future, right? But I'll tell you though, that I understand your, uh, hesitation is in context for me now because that's a little too soon to be possessive. But, you know, I mean, at least, you know, this guy's got some, got some like drive and interest, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's done all of the right other things, but, you know, I think it just comes down to like, when it comes to like the world of dating and, and getting out there, like you have to be able to get out of anything you get into. Uh huh. Okay. So like, basically, if you're going to get into something with someone, a dating relationship, a regular relationship, anything. You need to be able to get yourself out of it. Like, And I think that's why a lot of people stay in relationships that they shouldn't stay in. And the relationships that should end don't mm-hmm. because they can't get out of them. And so, like, then it comes down to, like, well, you know, is it is it, you know, too good to, to leave but too bad to stay? And I think that's actually, like, a title of a book. You're listening to Love, Sex, ATX with Rhiannon Beauregard and Mathis Kennington. Have you ever had to break up with someone? Uh, yeah, I have, but I was a kid. And well, what did you do? Um, How'd you do it? Can I talk about being broken up with and also breaking up? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I remember probably the worst breakup uh, that I had was was the uh, girl at the time that I that I was with before Nikki. And I remember we were sitting in, I was just totally out of nowhere, right? We were together for two years and we were sitting in this um, uh, little taco uh, house and it was me and her and this guy that was a friend of hers that I knew because we went to separate schools and the vibe was weird. I mean, we were talking about, I think we were talking about pizza and he was bragging about how many pizza slices he had. Like I was a kid <laughs> bragging about how many pizza <laughs> slices he had. And I was like, oh, wow, it's crazy. And I, I said, yeah, I've had almost that many, except maybe like a couple more. And so I was just kind of commiserating, but they looked at each other and rolled their eyes. And I was like, what the hell is this about? So we go back to her house and she just looks at me and she's like, I'm, I'm done with you. That's what she said. Two years we were together. She just looks at me and says, I'm done with you. And I, I just, I was just like, what, what you want me to go home? Savage. It was savage. It was evil. And, and she just said, no, I'm, I'm breaking up with you. And it's okay. So you can imagine like I, we, I probably lived like, I don't know, five miles from her. And I, I just like got up and walked home. I was like, I'm not doing this, you know, and I cried the whole way as I was walking. But an interesting thing happened about a week and a half later, you know, this was before the, the world of social media, but she got wind that my buddies were taking me out dancing. And she like at the dance hall, like, like at Le- Leon Springs Dance Hall in oh, San Antonio. So it wasn't like hard house or like drum no, and bass. No, no, no. I mean, it was like it was a dance hall for God's EDM, sake. EDM, no yeah. EDM. And in fact, I've always looked older than I actually am, and this was true of me when I was a kid. And I was dancing with this one girl this night that she heard about. And this girl's mom comes over and screams at me. And she's like, she is 15 years old and just like yelling at me. And I was like, ma'am, I'm only 16. Like, What's your deal? Anyway, so <laughs> I get back to my house. <laughs> I get back to my house and she is there waiting for me. My, you know, my ex-girlfriend. And uh, she. Uh, I love this shit. It's, it's, she's there waiting it. for me. And you can imagine like the feelings and my boys are behind me and they're pissed and um <laughs> Then and like, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" And so, so that night we got back together. <laughs> good, good, good. We got back together that night. But then a few days later, I learned that she had been cheating on me with that guy at the pizza place. But not like P and V cheating, just like making out and like. No, maybe... I think they were having sex. But you weren't having sex with her. Yeah. You? Whoa! I yeah. guess I had you as this like. No, 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 no. Virginal church boy. Well, yeah, that's fine. You can, <laughs> you can, but you know what? Sweet revenge, because then I got to break up with her. And on top of that, he's like... Is he bald? Is he bald he's, now? He is just not an attractive dude. Let's just put it that way. Was he a never attractive dude? Um, he was one of those guys that like wasn't like exceptionally attractive, but he had a lot of money and and he had this kind of like, you know, fashion fashionable clothes and the things that I didn't have when I was a kid. And, um, and so he had always had a lot of girls around him or whatever. But so I broke up with her. And then since that time, I mean, there was, she was the one who was like, you know, Jones and, and I always liked that. <laughs> Do you think to this day, a fire still burns for you in her heart? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I think she's fine. But, um, yeah, it, yeah, I, mm-hmm. it's, it was a weird experience, but, uh, anyway, 
What about you? What was the worst time time you've ever been broken up with? Oh, man. Some of these guys have been ruthless. Look. Who's right doing here. that? Oh, that's this is the girl? This is the girl. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> say no. <laughs> that's the one who left you for the pizza place? The pizza guy. Pizza guy? Yeah. She's pretty hot. Yeah, she is hot. But you know what? In like a Texas way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, I don't know. Some of these guys have been like ruthless and I haven't always taken it like as smoothly as I think I would now. I think the, the problem with me is that like any, I have, I have a, when it comes to romantic and sexual relationships with men, I feel like I have a propensity to always feel on like the rejected side. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess I like, I'm trying to think back on like, I remember I tried to break up with my college boyfriend and he just like said, no. <laughs> <laughs> he just vetoed the breakup? <laughs> it was just like, I was like, I think I want to break up. And he was like, no. And like, I stayed with him for like eight more months. Wow. Um, and then like, it really was like, I think we, I need to break up with you. And, but I, you know, like sometimes you just do shit that you don't feel good about. Like I waited until after I moved mm -hmm. because he was helping me move. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then in like yeah. in my new apartment, I was like, it's no, seriously, it's time for us to break up. And then I regretted breaking up with him for like send you a an year. Um, should have, I mean, he cried. I felt like, I felt really bad. Like we both cried. Like we were together for almost three years and that was sad, but it wasn't, it was time. And, and I always kind of knew like we were just very different. Um, like he just came from like, you know, he's half Spanish, half Ecuadorian and uh -huh. came from like a very religious Catholic family. And I, I just always felt like I was seen as like, like pretty trashy yeah. compared to them. Like yeah. they were like high and mighty and I was like really trashy. But, um, but as far as like, so like, I guess my question is, and I sort of have an answer to this, but like, what is the best way to end a relationship? Mm, isn't that something, you know, the, you know, the confusion was and can, and remains, I think for a lot of people was for me and remains for a lot of people is that what happens when you break up with someone you still really care about? Is it the kind of thing where you have to go like cold turkey, never see you, never talk to you again? Or is there like a transition that can occur, you know, into, into something resembling friendship, which I think now is a lot more challenging than uh, it used to be because you have access to almost anybody just in this little phone. I mean, you can watch what they're doing. You can see them. You can always have them right there as opposed to the past where you break up with someone, just don't drive to their house and don't call them. Well, and so that that's like like ghosting, right? Like you, you don't want to ghost someone. And actually- um, No, I mean, I'm just saying like when you break up and there's a breakup, you say, we're done. Or is it the kind of thing where you say, we can never see each other again. We can never talk to each other again. Or- is there like this, we can move into this tr transition of being friends or something resembling? It depends on the people. And I think it depends on the status of the relationship and what kind of relationship Right, how is. it ended. Mm -hmm. Like, so- You okay. ended with cheating and like, fuck, you know, hurting somebody or just like a mutual thing. It's probably two different mm -hmm. outcomes there. 
Well, so like like on the most basic level, and like maybe let's work up into severity. So let's say you're like just, you know, in one of our episodes, we talked about like the beginning, middle ground, right? Like the mm-hmm. beginning ground of like, it's easy to just have a one night stand. And like that probably doesn't need like a large breakup, right? Like that can kind of fizzle out. But like if you're dating someone and you don't want to date them anymore, or you don't want to talk to someone anymore. I think a lot of people have a hard time ending those, like they'll drag on, they'll be like text, 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 pause, 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 text, 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 pause, pause, pause. And it's like almost like having people interact with you for no real reason. And Uh so from one of our podcasts, I was like, all right, Rihanna, if you're going to practice what you preach here, if you're going to put this shit out on the radio, you've got to like follow it and start practicing it. So the word radical authenticity kept Mm. coming up for me. And handling, I'm pretty sure I've talked about this dude. There was this dude in the military. He left, came back. I don't know if we aired it or whatever. It doesn't matter. Nothing ever happened. Um, that's not true. Not entirely true. Nothing has not <laughs> happened for a while. <laughs> like my man, how quick my brain forgets. Anyways, so he came back from Afghanistan, and I was planning on like meeting up with him. When, and I was really. When was this? This was a few months ago. Okay. Like. I think he came back from Afghanistan early February, but we met last year around this time in like yeah. in like April with May. The war? have you seen that little dicky video that just came out no (laughs) he fucks with war bitch (laughs) is it something we could post on our social media yeah okay not super offensive no it's on youtube cool well anyway so he came back and like was like i can't wait to see you you know like i can't wait to see you like you know soldier shit over in afghanistan great like well when you get back like let me know we like texted back and forth fine well nothing ever materialized and so every once in a while i'd get like a text message from him being like hey when are we hanging out like this is insane to me like i am fucking right now what are you doing right now like when are we hanging out right now i'm available like what am i fucking doing with my life like there's very limited things <laughs> that, that i can't that's just not like true. you are full of stuff you got going i know on. but at any moment if a dude i'm interested wants to hang out with me i'll be there like <laughs> there's no like if i'm interested in that dude there will be like uh, um, yeah when 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 do you when can you do it you nine o'clock tonight when are you ready like like yeah. I'm free right well so he never like could materialize it's yeah I'm coming down no I'm not I got a friend in town blah 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 and finally I just sent him this text message which by the way has been replicated by many of my friends hey nice okay they have all wanted the exact wording of this it's become a template it is a template on how to say Jeez, no thank this is you. like wait wait everybody let's give everybody a chance to like get their pens yes, out yes everybody well it's like that ready to take notes notes and on one of our episodes you're like oh gonna put my pen away because it wasn't that profound (laughs) (laughs) i was like everybody get ready and you're like "Mm, i'm just gonna put that pen right away (laughs) people don't use pens anymore everybody get your phones out (laughs) all right so i go hey so and so exclamation point okay like this is how you know it's like i'm like i'm cool i'm chill this is Uh totally chill i'm writing this i'm just writing this i wanted to tell you that i'm not interested in pursuing you or talking to you anymore it's been fun to chat but nothing materialized i didn't want a ghost Ghost emoji. Good luck with everything! Exclamation point. Wow. And you want to know what his response was? <laughs> what? It was kind of perfect. Okay, thank you for your honesty. Enjoy your new place. Wow. Nice. Period. Done. Never heard from him again. Don't need to talk to him. I don't need you to keep keep him in my, my contacts at all. Like, like that's the way you end a texting relationship that never materializes into anything but that. Because I don't know about you guys, but like. Texting someone witty shit is cool for like a hot fucking second. And then Uh if you don't materialize into a friendship or anything like that, it's kind of just time wasting. Right. You know, like, like I don't, I mean, we don't text our friends enough, like let alone like people we just meet. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, 
Yeah, you don't need some random. You know, I think text. you're right. And there's also this psychological aspect of texting as if like, it's not like a conversation where we just kind of have this assumption where it can just linger. You can just let it linger, you know? And my, but you just, that's it, you know, and like the little dots pop up and then they don't. And then you're sitting there wondering, what are they saying or whatever? But they have red receipts turned on. Yeah. What if, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Okay. Yeah. Never. That's Here's the worst the thing. thing you could like, ever what do. What do we do? What do we, what if we treated normal conversations like we texted and like, so Sam and I, you, you're, you're talking and I'm like, Hey man, how's your day going? <laughs> Sam, he's Sam, like, I got fucking Sam, shit going on about this. Can Sam I help like, you? <laughs> Sam's like looking at he's like looking at me like acting like he's gonna talk into the microphone and then not, which is backspace, exactly backspace, backspace, backspace. <laughs> <No more dots. laughs> and then never, nothing ever. Like, what if we did? I mean, there's so, what is it about texting? What is it about texting someone where we've just like decided that there is no there's we can just decide there's no ending happy ending not happy ending whatever it is there's just you can just let let shit just linger on which i to me is like the worst thing when it comes to human communication and especially I relationships i think we have to say i think we have to get way if 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 you cannot tell someone no thank you don't date like if you cannot say no if you cannot say hey it was great getting to know you and i just don't feel like there's a lot of and no one likes to do that i don't want to have to do that like no one wants to do that but like leaving things open-ended like I had met this guy at this event and probably touched his dick whatever it's not important and <laughs> it's unmemorable fine right whatever at the event um at, like in between like the event and the end of the event yeah whatever shut up <laughs> wait just a second was this soldier guy the guy that you told the story about in like our first episode with the with like the United States pants that yes, you met at the concert yes, yes that's the same guy <sighs> okay yeah something like American flag <laughs> Yeah, he had a Declaration of Independence polo okay. shirt on. Uh, so yeah, I something this. definitely did happen. Yes, with that guy and with this other guy too. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Like, but, but not at the same time. Yeah, and not there was no penetration. Okay. Whatever. Like, you didn't I, need to clarify. Yeah. That's... Whatever. But whatever. I mean, this is like. <laughs> you didn't stick a Q-tip in his urethra. <laughs> I did not. I did not. I did not inspect for bumps. <laughs> like, I did not need to. It never got that close where I needed to get in there with my oh magnifying my glass and my and my gloves. Yeah, my kit. <laughs> your, your, your Open your mouth. Cough. Glove, right. Yeah. So um. Did you go poop in a cup? Yes. None of this happened. None. Wow. None you of, just you just took it there. Things. Sam, yeah, you I just don't took know, it there. guys. You know, is it like, you know, Rihanna in one cup? No, guys, never, 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 never. All right, so this guy, like, whatever, we met, had some chemistry, wasn't super attractive, right? But, like, I enjoyed his company, like, mm -hmm. and um, was from some godforsaken place, not near here at all, um, Galveston, right? Like, oh, kill red me. Flag. Red flag. Red fucking flag. <laughs> They're all red flags. Anyways, so, um, like, we started texting after, like, the incident, after the interaction, right? And, like, we had some momentum, and so he wasn't asking me out, so I was like, I'm not gonna fuck around with this. I said, do you want to hang out this weekend and he gave me like such a dick response about it and i was like Shh. but then he kept kind of communicating with me listen to all these podcasts all right like that's weird like 
but like I'm saying, like, let's hang out. So eventually it took me being like, listen, either we hang out or like, we're not going to talk anymore. That's kind of what I said. And he said, well, how about we do this? How about the well, next time we come to Austin, we go out and we chat. And I said, cool. Well, I haven't heard from him. And I think I'm going to start to throw down a 60 day rule. If you're on my phone for 60 days and nothing materializes, you are out of my phone. Like I don't need to collect guys whose dicks I've rubbed up against in my phone. Like if you can't get it together in 60 days, out you go. Like it mm-hmm. is not difficult. And like, why? Why? So when you could text me in three months, you know, six months, like why? Like, no, there's no reason. Is he like traveling or something? No, there's never an excuse. Like, did he even get my text message? He always I'm gets the text message. from his perspective, you know, they're, you know, he Look, has his, a bunch I mean, of people like you in his phone and right, he's trying to keep all these But the thing the is, is that initiative takes care of everything. I mean, if you are interested, you show up. Yeah, and that, and then I think that gets confusing, though, because um, when you show up just enough to keep the other person on the hook, and how do you end that right. is what I just said. Like, that's a good point. Yeah, when, that's you're, you're doing that, but for your own your own emotional uh, space and your own emotional, like why, yeah. Why would you collect phone numbers like that only to wonder when the next one's going to pop up? Because what's going to happen with this is now you're going to say, okay, done. Bye. You know? And then if he does randomly text you in two months, you're going to be like, who's this? Well, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to say, listen, nothing materialized. So it was great to meet you, but I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm going to just like, because I think that that's the ending that you need. You don't just mm-hmm. like, you don't just delete someone. Like if you like, I'm just going to go out and tell them, you know, like, I think that that's what you have to do. Yeah. You have to say like, no, I don't want to date. You know, I don't want to talk to you. I don't like, don't text me. Don't do nothing. talk about um like when you should break up okay go like when like when should you break up like when do you know there's a sign that's hard that breaking up is inevitable Mm, that's a hard one never been very good at it so well i don't have any answers for you i mean this thing about the whole spectrum of breakup break up with a um Break up like a, a, a partnered or girlfriend, girl, boyfriend or girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend relationship or get divorced. Well, that's actually, you know, so so is there a real big difference in that in the decision to do it versus yeah, the I logistics think, that occur afterwards? I think there is a huge difference. OK, so let's let's not jump to like marriage. Let's talk about you're in a relationship you're cohabitating. Okay. Okay. So there's not a legal binding because then yeah. let's talk about marriage in a minute, but let's talk about like, there's enough connection that you're going to have to pack stuff. Right. Okay. How do you know when you're supposed to, how do you know it's not working? Like, so, so something that people say is sex, like when the sex stops, the relationship's not working. And, and I, the way I view sexuality is that it ebbs and flows over the span of our mm-hmm. lifespan. And so like, you know, there are going to be times when you're having sex and there are going to be times when you're not having sex. And that sex is not the barometer of the quality of the relationship. Sex is a barometer of a lot of other things. And it is a a factor in a relationship. But like, I do think people have had experiences. I know I have had an experience where like the sex was the first thing to go. Yeah. Like that boyfriend that I said, like um, I said, I want to break up and he said, no, like that boyfriend was the one like I just wanted to stop having sex with. Yeah. Right. Like, but 
there are some relationships where I was like, I need to get the fuck out of this relationship. And I was still having sex with that. Like, <laughs> so it's like not across the board, but like, what do you think? Like, I think when you're, when your partner demonstrates a pattern of being unresponsive to your vulnerability, because I feel like we um, <clears throat> come up with a lot of symptomatic behavior, like bad behavior to deal with the, the things that we that hurt us. So we become critical or become accusatory or we um, our desire goes down. You know, we like we, we lose desire for our partners, like in this case. And those can mean death sentences to the relationship. But I think a lot of times they just they just are the result of an unmet need of some kind. And so to do that, we become critical and become accusatory. And then we say, look how terrible this relationship is when really we're not doing our part to try to fix it. So when those, when, pe when we're in that situation and we realize, you know, I really need to be vulnerable and need to express what I'm missing and what I long for and what I want. And then your partner is like, I don't care. That to me is when, or, or just doesn't, won't, won't show up, won't put in the in time and energy and investment in listening to you and hearing you. That to me is the end of a relationship. Any input, Sam? Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense what Mathis just said. Um, All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess from personal experience, you just sort of know, you know, whether you're like, you said, still having sex, but you just know, and you've been mulling it over for weeks probably, and at some point you just pull the trigger, and it's you never really know if it's the right thing to do, but mm -hmm. you just sort of yeah. decide one day to do it. Well, and I think that if you do, if you, if you end a relationship in a way that preserves respect for each party, that I've seen a lot of configurations over the years of people who ended a relationship and then like five years later, they grew, they, you know, mm -hmm. they did what they needed to do and then they got back together. Mm -hmm. And if you end a relationship in a respectful way and an appropriate way, if you don't like you know, frog hop to the next lily pad because it hurts too much and you don't know how to be alone. I mean, like, those are ways that you can't turn around. But if you if you end the relationship in a respectful way, it should be something that you can revisit if you if you choose to. Yeah. And this doesn't mean, this is different than leaving doors open so you can come back to old loves. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that if, if, if you know that it's time to end this chapter of the relationship or the relationship in general, if you do it in a respectful way and you realize you made a mistake, if it's really supposed to happen, you can go back, you know? But like, you know, I personally think that like cheating is not a good way to end a relationship. Right, like, I agree. I think that, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're cheating and it's truly against the rules of the relationship, you either need to end the relationship that you're engaging in outside of your primary relationship or you need to end your relationship. Like cheating is not a solution um, unless it's it's not against the rules. So like a book I really like for dating and there's a, there's a comparable book for those in relationship is called Wired for Dating and the comparable book is called Wired for Love and that's for people who are already in relationships. Most of my clients who read these say, I wish I read Wired for Love like before I ever got married, mm -hmm. <laughs> before I even found my partner because it gives you an opportunity to figure out like why it feels like sometimes it doesn't work even when it does. But so um, he's pretty, the author Stan Tatkin, he's pretty delicate at talking about um, breaking up. He's got a whole chapter on breaking up um, and he has uh, 10 things. Um, should you say goodbye? 10 things. 
And so the questions that he says in these 10 things is one, do you or this partner have one foot in and one foot out of the relationship? Two, is it hard for you or this partner to feel relaxed and comfortable around the other? Three, is it hard for you or this partner to feel safe and secure around the other? That's that vulnerability part that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Four, has any abuse or violence occurred in the relationship? Five, do you or this partner resist having sex with each other? Six, (laughs) are you or this partner strongly of the anxious or avoidant attachment style? And so, um, which we can talk about in a minute. What is that? Are you going to explain that? Yeah, I'll talk about attachment style in a minute. Seven, do you find it hard to tell how this partner is feeling? Eight, does this partner show little or no interest in your feelings? Mm. Nine, do you or this partner find it hard to calm or soothe the other? Ten, do you or this partner ever let thirds, such as people or tasks, those are like thirds, things not, like things outside the relationship, take precedence over the relationship? Uh, and then he says, note, this could include cheating or betrayal, but it doesn't have to get that far. Yeah. Eleven, if you or this partner feels hurt or injury, does the other fail to repair it right away? 12, have you and this partner tried to talk over your differences but failed? 13, do you and this partner fight frequently, nastily, or without resolution? And he's careful to clarify that fighting is fine. It's just, it's nastily, frequently, and without without resolution. resolution. Which is the big part. Actually, I'm going on. 14, have you or this partner already (laughs) tried on one or more occasion to break up? All right, that's a big, you know, like if you're breaking up several times, like you need to take a look at that, right? Mm -hmm. 15, do you and this partner keep secrets from each other? 16, do you have no sense of future with this partner? That's what you were talking about, Sam, which is like you just sort of know, right? Yeah. 17, did vetting with either your or this partner's family and friends yield negative results? Vetting is when you sort of like... Check them out. Yeah. And then um, 18, and this is a concept that he talks about, but would you say a couple bubble has never even begun to form for you and this partner? A couple bubble is like a protective sort of boundary of your relationship around you and, and the world. So like... Um, and this is one of his things of talking about dating and, and being in a relationship. So, um, so yeah, he actually lists 18. Sorry, I thought it was 10. 18 reasons why you, you know, questions that you want to ask yourself if you're thinking about ending a relationship. Um, the, the thing I don't, I don't, I mean, how much, I haven't read this book. So how much does he, uh, talk about the, the ways in which you might be acting that are contributing to that environment? So this goes to your question, Sam, around attachment. So the way I, um, so I find this, I don't know if you find this, but I feel like each generation of clinicians have a different theory on partnership and intimacy. And when I was in graduate school a decade ago, it was all about like Imago therapy and theory and like how we choose our partners because like, because they're like our parents so that they can repair the wounds that our parents did to us. (laughs) And so, and that was hot, right? Like we like ate that up with a fucking spoon. We were like, yeah, like, Ooh, I picked this, but, but ultimately because we picked someone like my dad, he's going to wound me in the same way and blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, that got real fast out of style because it sounds silly as I even say. It. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was some value in that theory. But what the what the the hot theory now I feel like around partner selection and um, and relationship is attachment theory and how our attachment to our primary caregivers sets the stage for attachment to our intimate partners. And there's four general attachment styles: um, secure, anxious, avoidant, and what we call disorganized or ambivalent. Is is that is that five or is that no, ambivalence, anxious, ambivalent, right? Yes. Okay. So um, and so these are how Wait, we disorganized is ambivalent. 
Oh, is it disorganized yeah. ambivalent? So the disorganized, not that common. That's what, like, right, yeah, yeah, most people are That's either. That's like come close, get away, come close, get away. Most people are either anxious or avoidant or uh-huh. some combination of that with secure. And what what these books talk about is 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 how your attachment style, um, good, bad, or the ugly, activates your partner's attachment style and how that can kind of play off of each other too. So like a classic example is like someone who's an anxious attachment style. So someone that's like, need, need, need. Why haven't you texted me back? Well, right. Like to someone who's like, why are they texting me so much? Put their phone down and walk mm-hmm. away, which is the avoidance style. And that's a common configuration where like the anxious pursues the avoidant who distances. Yeah. So what this is saying is that like, are you two so solidly in those styles that it's just like ultimately not going to match? Now, what's interesting is that through therapy, you can change your attachment style and through relationship, you can take two people who are anxious and build secure attachment, Um, but it takes work. It's not something that we can do kind of on our own. So this is sort of saying that if you have fundamental flaws in your attachment style, you know, and you've tried, basically, you've tried to adjust it, but it hasn't worked, then is it time to, to, is it time well, to end? this is, I mean, okay, so, because the, then the question is, are, is this not working, especially if you see patterns in your life, is this not working because my attachment style or my personality or whatever is not compatible with my partner? Or is this a problem because I continue to do the same things I've always done and will will continue to do the same things I've always done? That's why I'm an advocate for, for therapy is because those questions can keep you up at night, you know? And I think it's important for people who have a tendency to cut off a relationship pretty quickly after they become dissatisfied to at least spend some time being, you know, critical and wanting to know what their role in that process is rather than just putting it on their partner. And I like the idea, I use the phrase a lot that I want my clients to be students of sex. Like I want them to be like perpetual lifelong students of sex and sexuality. And I see it the same way of students of personal growth that like we never reach like a ceiling and then it's finished. Like personal Mm -hmm. growth and sexuality is a limitless place to always be expanding and growing. And the challenge in relationship is that there is a readiness factor that not everyone is ready to grow. Um, there's a pacing factor, which not everyone grows at the same pace. And a lot of people don't want to change. And 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 like there's some sort of belief that like once we hit the finish line, we stop running. Like yeah. it's like, oh, I trained for this marathon my whole life. I did the marathon. It's over. I'm never going to run again. And like and I think that that's how we look at marriage sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like that's the finish line. You get there and like, then I can quit. I found right. my partner, you know, mm-hmm. but like the idea is that we continuously personally grow. And so the question is, are, are do you have a partner who's willing to grow? Yes. Can you accept that the grow, rates of growth and change are going to be different? Yeah, that's you know? important. And then ar- specifically around sex, um, which is, you know, are you okay with growing sexually for the rest of your life because I would expect and and maybe maybe I'm being a little egocentric but I would like as a student of sex as like an aficionado you're not you're not a a professor I suppose I have like a student and I guess we're all all students and all professors maybe you're you're like a graduate assistant (laughs) TA I'm a TA of sex um, an intern of sex, but, but I'm just a lifelong learner. I mean, I learn mm-hmm. things every single day. There is shit that I don't know. Like there's things you don't know. Yeah. Mm. I don't know a lot. I learned something. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. 
But so the question is then, you, so let's let's talk about divorce. D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Yes. Okay. Let's Musical interlude. <laughs> <laughs> yep. so, so this one's hard because the, you know, the way you, as your life becomes increasingly more intertwined, you consider reasons why you would stay in a marriage that you would never consider if you weren't married, unless you had somehow in otherwise other ways wrapped up your life with a person. So we're thinking about things like the kids, or you're thinking about, or the kid, or you're thinking about things like the empire, you know, um, the business you have together or the home and the mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. And if you've created a lifestyle where you are, you have one primary income earner and one person who's been out of the job market for 15 years, then you're thinking about your, your future and your viability. So what I often hear is people will say this, they'll say uh, when they're, when I'm talking to them, like with clients and they're ambivalent, they'll say, well, but if I, you know, if we get divorced, then I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And uh, I don't know how it's going to affect the kids, but those aren't good reasons to consider because we kind of idealize uh, the reasons why we should stay uh, the reasons why we should stay, to, stay together. And it, it's like, we should never even consider the fact that the, that um, money and the house we have and the, and the kids and the family should be motivating reasons when for the, you know, throughout the course of human history, love and desire and all those things were byproducts of marriage. If they even existed at all. I mean, the primary reason you got married was for all those other stuff. So why shouldn't they be? But people are thinking about that. They're thinking about money and they're thinking about, um, uh, you know, their own ability to be successful and happy in their lives because they don't have access to the resources that they did while they were married. So I do think that the more, and it doesn't even have to be marriage, even though marriage is technically a legal binding contract, but the more intertwined your life becomes and the more stuff you have between you and another person, the more those things become uh, something you consider as you think about breaking up as opposed to just like, you know, ending a relationship with somebody you're dating with. Well, and, and I think this is the, the way I look at it, like versus our our, our second ex or third example around um, like a cohabitating couple that doesn't have any like legal binding thing. They may have like an AT&T bill together or something, but like <laughs> we're not talking about like a legally binding contract right. like a marriage. Um, I think ending a marriage needs to be a very thoughtful decision. And I think if yeah. you owe it to yourself and your partner and your life to really be very clear about what... Um, about how you want to end a marriage. And what I always tell people is to to start by being informed because I think there's a lot of misnomers yeah. around divorce. And like when someone's unhappy in their marriage, they're like, oh, I want a divorce. But there are a lot of other options to go before you end legally end your relationship. So I'm a huge proponent to controlled or planned separations. Mm -hmm. And these are different than the term trial separation, which trial separation is like, oh, let's try it out how it feels like to be separated. Like, I'm going to tell you in a hot second, it's probably going to feel pretty fucking good to not yeah. have that person near you right. if you're thinking about breaking up. But a planned separation is a, sep a, plan a, a separation that you plan that has a start and an end date. It has a contract that you guys sign that, that says like, okay, this is how we're going to do the finances. This is how we're going to handle contact with each other. This is how we're going to have the living arrangements. And you don't make huge decisions, but the point of a planned separation is to gain insight to clarity and change. Mm -hmm. So I also, when I work with a couple that is and doing- And to create longing maybe a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I want transformation. I want there to be enough time and space away from each other to figure out, like, really, what is it that you want? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the period of time that we decide on, everyone is very clear in their decision. Um, and so I'm a big proponent of this. Uh, th- you know, the other factor around this that I want to sort of say as a resource of people who might be thinking about ending their marriages is what we call discernment therapy. And so discernment therapy is a is sort of like a program almost of therapy that isn't trying to save your marriage. The discernment therapy is trying to come up with three questions to three, I guess, answers to three paths. questions. Yeah, three paths, which is one, you stay together and make it work. Two, um, and and make it work, meaning we're going to go to couples therapy. We're going to fix the problems. We're going to make this work. Two is you decide to end the relationship. And three is you do nothing. Like you just go through a period. And usually it's like six to eight sessions. It's with someone. five sessions. Five sessions. And then if you choose to stay together, it's a six-month agreement for couples therapy. So that's a really great option too, which is that you go to sessions because for people who are really seriously considering ending their relationship, going to couples therapy is like kind of too little too late. Yeah. It's totally useless because you, what happens with the therapist is they end up allied with the person who is uh, leaning in and they just end up chasing the leaning out person out of the room. You know, they just like all around it's useless. hundred percent. So like there, there are resources. And the other thing I would say is that anyone that is thinking about divorcing is that there is like an ebook online that you can get. I don't think it's hard copy, but it's called How to Divorce in Texas. They kind of have one for every state. So if you're listening out of state, um, like How to Divorce in that state, just like Google it. And th- these are books that, that can inform you a little bit more on the law. So because I think someone who's trying to end a relationship, they can often go down a path they don't want to go down just because of lack of information. And it's really important to kind of look at all the cards on your table and figure out what is what is the best choice for you. You know, like, do you, is divorce the best choice for ending your relationship? Will that ultimately make things a happy ending for you? You know, but like. <laughs> That's the hard part, right? Because people are so in that position, they are ambivalent. And the other thing is like with discernment, you often have people who have uh, engaged in other relationships and they're not just discerning losing this, ending this one, they're discerning ending the other one, you know? So there's these dual things happening, but yeah, it's, and so the, with, with the ambivalence, there's never a con like the point of discernment counseling is to bring people to clarity and confidence, but there's just so rarely that people get to that fifth appointment and they think, okay, I feel clear and confident. Like it's very difficult because it's a, it's a right and right choice or it's a wrong and wrong choice, whichever way you want to look at it. It's not a binary, it's like right or wrong, but there's consequences for both. And I think the latest research I saw about what people feel after they divorce is like something up, some, somewhere up to like 70% of people regret the divorce about a year out. Because, and, and I think that's just hindsight. I don't think that means that they made the wrong choice. I just think that it, it like, if that, if those couples, if those people made a different choice back, a, you know, then a year later in their marriage, they might regret not getting married or not getting divorced. So it's, it's just very strong and conflicting things going on, competing motivations. You're listening to Love, Sex, ATX. to think of ending relationships, ending chapters as transitions. And these aren't things that we can ever prevent at the jump. Like you can't 
walk into a relationship and be able to prevent that at some point the relationship will transition. Right. And so like our relationship, this 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 chapter of our relationship no. here no. is ending. No. But we've talked about too on how um you don't want to talk about this on air? Yeah, we can. Okay. Well, we've talked about this too. You can decide on whether you want to put it on air or okay. not. But I think it's important because yeah. we've talked about how I think that we would actually, you know, given the nature of our relationship, yes. that ending this chapter of our relationship will possibly foster other other chapters that may have been neglected. Yeah. Because of being in this type of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the level of personal growth of just being podcast co-hosts mm-hmm. has been immense and like totally unpredicted. Like, I think when we started this project, there was never, a, I, I, I mean, I never thought that like my life shit would come into the studio with me and mm-hmm. start swirling around in our relationship. But it yeah. certainly did. I think, you know, vice versa. Like yep. mm-hmm. you can't leave yourself at the door and pretend. I mean, that's not what artists do right Mm -hmm. and i consider what we do as an art i think Mm -hmm. that this is more art than entertainment but Mm -hmm. it can be both but um so when we like how did we come to the decision that it was time to break up um it was i think it was over a long period of time and um i mean i think it was it was really um it was really my decision and you have been very gracious uh, and given me space to think about it. But for me, it was a, uh, it was a lot of ambivalence, the same thing. And it just came down to um, what do I have space in my life for that I can continue with? And, um, and the thing that I found, which I often see this in people who break up, is that it's, it's often that they're not just transitioning out of the marriage or the relationship, but they're transitioning out of a lot of things. And so over the last three to four months, I've cut three to four big things out of my life to make space for this tiny little creature that's about to pop out, you know? So it's, um, uh, I think just like any ending to something great, it is a, a, over a long process with a lot of thought uh, and sadness and hope in some ways for either the other person or for something different. And in this case, since it's not, you know, um, we have no, we're still going to talk all the time. We're still going to be in contact. Um, so there, that that's that part's easy. You know, we have to deal with that. But uh, it did not. It wasn't easy to make this decision. And and looking at it as transitional too, which is like something uh, you know. At first, when when we had been talking about this and 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 feeling like this was a long process of the, making the decision, there was a lot of fear that I had on my end. Like, oh shit! Now this podcast is going to be. Like mine and I'm going to have to figure out what the fuck we're going to do with it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to, not we, I'm going to have to figure out what I do with it. And and graciously Sam will be, (laughs) (laughs) will be alongside. But, um, but like, and I, and what, what I reflected on is that there was a lot of fear from the get go of starting some project like this. So like my life stuff doesn't come, come out of. You know, like what you walked into the relationship with, you will walk out of with some capacity, like, but different and changed and learned a lot. I think I walk out with more. Yeah. And I think that breakups are like that too. Like when you end a relationship, it is a loss and a transition and like totally feel that. But it all is also a huge gain. Like you learn a ton about yourself when you break up with a person. Like Mm -hmm. you learn what your boundaries are. You learn on what you can and cannot tolerate. You learn how brave and how afraid you can be all at the same time. Like 
relationships, like what, like ending a relationships are just as impactful as being in them and mm-hmm. getting into them. And I think, honestly, I think it's super easy to get into a relationship and 10 times harder to get out of it. Yeah. But like only through struggle is there growth. So I, like, you know, we fear the endings of our friendships and relationships and- Of, and of everything, I kind of feel like- yeah, but at, only through those transitions is there growth. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like when a fire rips through a forest, you know, on the other end of that destruction is growth. Yeah, some seeds in like, uh, I think it's redwoods or sequoias, they don't germinate without fire. So wow. pretty rare event. We're like a sequoia. Necessary. I think, I feel like people are like that too, which is you don't, um, you know, through through struggle is growth. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes like when we cultivate like career struggle, we have growth. When we and, and relationship struggle, we have growth. And to recognize that divorce, breaking up, ending relationships, these are life transitions that will occur. Um and that we we embrace it as a transition and not as a devastating event. That mm-hmm. on the other side of that fire you know, is are those fresh seedlings, are those forests that regenerate and are healthier on the other end. Mm-hmm. What if I just introduce you? No, because you know what? Like, the more I've thought about this, the more I feel like this is something really fucking special that I feel really passionate about. And I'm going to need to grow a set and learn the skill. And yeah. I can't yeah. rely on someone else to do it. Well, you so. already have it. That's the thing. You just aren't sure about it yet so yeah i just get under the under the hot lights it's hot in here (laughs) (laughs) it's not hot in here i'm kidding kidding it was like a metaphor of a pressure of feeling like (laughs) actually that is a lot better i wasn't feeling that hot i wear like a loose tent of a shirt these days yeah (laughs) just in case oh i I can't even see you guys now that's better is it like a one-way mirror sort of yeah that's cool so you could for you. So, but you're seeing a f- reflection of yourself right now. Um, predominant. Well, it's about fifty-fifty. Okay. I'm actually seeing you guys a little bit more than a reflection. Okay. So, um, you need to leave, Matt. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Do you want to leave for good or just leave for me recording? No, I'll go ahead and go. Okay. I'll see you soon. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good chat. Tenth episode. That's yeah. a huge. You need to go, Mathis. Get the fuck out of here. And I think I'm on my own. All right, all right. So so they find us on Instagram, Twitter. Our website. Our website. Lovesexatx.com. Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Share us with your friends and family. Listen to us and subscribe to us on iTunes. And Google Play. And SoundCloud. Next week. If you liked season one of love.sex.atx, you're going to love season two. We're taking it a little bit in a different direction where we're really focusing on the Austin part of our podcast. And we're going to start by doing a series of interviews with the movers and shakers in Austin, Texas that are contributing major things to the sex industry locally and beyond. And our first interview starts out with a family-owned business of... Um, sex toy dolls. Uh, They're one of the leading producers in the United States of real-sized, real-skin-sized 
sex dolls. And what's fascinating about this story is not only the product that they produce and the uses um, and the different requests that they have for customization of their dolls, but also the fact that it's a family-owned business. And um, we're gonna have the whole family in the studio, including a doll. So make sure that you stay tuned and listen to our next season. And after those episodes, we are interviewing some of the really big time folks in the sex industry that happen to be housed here in Austin and creating a podcast a little bit more about bringing our sex industry community together while also keeping it fun and educating everybody about love and sex in ATX. So stay tuned. Love, sex, ATX.